So Money Episode 754, my dad, Adam Tarabi. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Tarabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Back by popular demand, it's my dad on So Money today. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Adam is back, and he's got a lot of details for us surrounding his career comeback. You know, you may have heard, I've talked about it on this show in recent months, that about a year and a half ago, my dad got laid off from a technology company where he had been working for over five years. In fact, he and my mom moved to the West Coast from the East Coast to uh, secure my dad's career. Um, there were many more job opportunities in his technology field out West. Um, and so they uprooted at the time I was in college, but they took my brother, who was very young at the time, moved out there for more prospects. And then fast forward to about a year and a half ago, he got laid off. And my dad is a highly skilled director of engineering. He led a worldwide team of scientists at his last company. But even he knew that his day would come, that you know he'd been very fortunate keeping his career for so long, that there was so much consolidation happening in the industry, that this fateful day of losing his job was bound to happen because of so many acquisitions, because of so many mergers, so much overlap in his industry. And he knew that regaining his job title after this layoff and his status and his pay would be very difficult. So how he spent the next year of his life what he did, the, the activities he performed, the way that he reframed his resume, his LinkedIn, all led to a new place in his career. He had to pivot slightly. He's going to talk about all of that and how doing so helped basically unleash so many more opportunities for him, so much interest in him. He was fielding interviews left and right. He's now gainfully reemployed, but how did he do it? Many of you have asked for this story, this specific story, so I'm giving it to you. So here we go. Here is Adam Tarabi. Dad, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Farnoosh. It's my pleasure to, to be here. You're so um, formal. You can be, you can be nor You can just say, you know, but the, everyone, this is my dad. He's very, very kind and and like <laughs> really polite. You're like the most polite person I know. Even when you're talking to the closest of relatives, you're just uh, always uh, extremely <laughs> gracious. And you know, I I wanted to bring you back on the show, everybody. My mom and dad were actually on this podcast episode 415. So I guess that was like, oh my gosh, 300 episodes ago. Uh, I and know. Can you yeah, believe it? Yeah. We're like six and a half million downloads. And people tell me, Dad, that, you know, I'm, I've interviewed everyone from Tony Robbins to, gosh, Ariana Huffington, Barbara Corcoran, Jim Cramer. You remember Jim Cramer, my sure. old boss. A lot, <laughs> yes. of, a lot of fascinating people. And lo and behold, when I ask people, what is your favorite episode? Surprisingly, and maybe not surprisingly, they say the episode with your parents. 
Oh really? That's yeah. Really amazing. <laughs> and, and isn't it? I mean, I guess I guess I, I just take it for granted because you're my parents. But I think for uh, listeners, you know, I offer like tidbits of my life here and there. But I think to be able to spend it uh, like at that, you know, 35, 40 minutes with parents, mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. insightful. And and definitely, um, people appreciated your story about immigrating and. So fast forward, sure. here we are. Have you back on the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, that's, I think it's a pleasure to be here again. It's special because this time I wanted you to come on and talk to us about your journey in the last year and a half, especially like just taking us from when you got laid off to when you found your new job. And I was telling people on the show about a month ago, just as you know, part of my introductions to one of my podcasts, just about how you really, mm-hmm. I think, engineered you reverse engineered your job search. So it's no secret that you're kind of in the later stage of your career. Um, and getting laid off is for some people, you know, at that point, they might be thinking, well, maybe I should just retire early. And right. <laughs> I think what's remarkable about your story is that you took a very realistic approach but that didn't mean retiring. It meant taking some time to figure out what you wanted to do next. And so take sure. us back to the moment when you, when they told you that you got laid off. Where were you? And, and what was your first thought? This was back in April 2016, yeah, as you mentioned, about a year and a half ago. Of course, I when I was at work, I knew there was some reorg and some changes in the organization, and there was some merger happening. So it it was kind of like you know I was sort of expected, and I was worried you know this could happen. But so it was not totally a surprise. But I guess the moment it happened, and even before that, I always had this idea that I I worked in in this job for many years, and uh, for me to uh, start a new career, I have to do some change, you know, mm-hmm. in my career. And I always uh, wanted to work for a company or group that works in a data data science, you know, mm-hmm. machine learning. So let's tell everybody first, I apologize. I didn't tell anybody what you do yeah. for a living. Let's kind of give them the gist of what you do. I always say my dad is one of the smartest people I know. You're a PhD, <laughs> you have a PhD in physics. Right. And, yeah. I uh, yeah. did my graduate work in physics and I Worked for many years at the storage uh, hard disk drive. Was doing a lot of modeling, recording, you know, some design, hardware design. During my career, I was involved to learn a lot about, about machine learning mm-hmm. and sort of uh, analysis. But it was not really uh, my title was not really a machine learning or, or data scientist. So it was always my passion that I wanted to really at some point get back and learn more about this and also work in a, in a, in a company that involves in the machine learning. So, uh, you know, I see, I look, for example, I go on LinkedIn, there, I see a lot of opportunities, you know, like a lot of startups, companies are looking for data scientists. But again, my background was not, I mean, if you look at my resume, it was not, I'm not, well, I was not really a data scientist. So, but, but to your, so, but to your credit, data science is kind of a new and emerging industry. Like not a lot of people have decades of experience in this or have had yeah. titles like this. Like it's kind of a newer yeah. industry, right? I think, I think data scientist was, uh, it's been around, uh, I think even though, but I think one of the distinction now, maybe the last four or five years has been that because of the computers are getting cheaper speed and the memory 
and they can actually process large amount of what's what's called as data. And that's one of the things that it was not possible to do, you know, like four or five years ago. But now through the data science, you can you can analyze huge amount of data, you know. Mm -hmm. In the past, the problem was how do you, for example, you get a terabyte of data every second and where do you store it? I mean, you can't even store it on your local machine, you know. So nowadays, with the cloud system where mm -hmm. you can store your uh, data remotely and computers are cheap. So what people do, they, they buy a lot of computers and they network it together. And so they, they can, you know, then using uh, some software, which is actually originally was developed by Yahoo, which is called uh, Hadoop, Hadoop software. And so they have this uh, software and then they have the hardware, they put it together and they can really analyze and do a lot of sense of the data, which they couldn't really do before. So it's really exciting in the sense that the last couple of years, this is a new era for, uh, you know, people who have some background in data science, but now they need to learn about how they actually process large amounts of data. Right. So that was really the thing I had to learn and I had to, you know, get myself updated with some of these new technologies and, you know, be able to transition into a new, new opportunity. So now, okay, we're at the point in your journey. And by the way, it took you about a year to find a job. But so I want to kind of walk us through that because what you did was very methodical. First, yeah. what, what I'm hearing is that you anticipated the layoff coming. So you were emotionally more or less ready for it. And so, how about financially? Did you have runway for a year? I think I was okay. Plus, uh, you know, the severance package and, mm -hmm. you know, it was not too bad. Why not but, just know. retire? Well, you know, even let's say I try to retire tomorrow. I, I mean, the biggest question is what do you want to do? You know, what is, what is it that you like to do? So what do you like to for do? me, you know, I, I really enjoy what I, what I know. I like to continue doing that. And I also enjoy helping others to learn. That's what really makes me happy. So I figured that I should definitely continue doing that. Even if I don't even do it for money, you know, I, I always enjoy helping others and, uh, and try to transfer my, my knowledge to others and also help other companies, you know, to, to use my expertise that I have gathered for many years. I think even officially to retire, they, they need to have a plan. You need to have some sort of a sense of directions, you know, what, what it is that you like that you like to do. And uh, a lot of people don't actually think about that uh, until that last moment. But for me, it was very clear that I can secure a job that relates to the, you know, data science and machine learning. I would be very happy and because this is what, sort of what I would like to do. And, and, uh, and smartly, and think, it's kind of where the industry was going. So like, right, what yeah. was the, re realistically, could you have even found another job that was similar to the role that you were in, that those jobs were no longer in existence? Were they becoming extinct? Yeah, I think those jobs were almost didn't exist. Uh, and I think we, because I was in the industry that we were only two companies that they were really left in that kind of an industry. Mm -hmm. Both companies were struggling and they were not hiring. So it was almost impossible to really uh, secure a job or go somewhere else that's very compatible with what, what I was doing. What did your colleagues end up doing, the ones that also got laid off? Did they pivot or are they still looking for work? What typically happened? You mean for people who... Um, who were kind of in your shoes, you know, manager level um, yeah. with within those companies that had consolidated and maybe their jobs were ex uh, eliminated. eliminated. Yeah. 
It all depends, you know, like sometimes there are managers who are just not really technical or maybe just they had an MBA or, or some, the experience they had was probably transferable to other companies. But for me, since I was always technical mm-hmm. and I had a special field, very expertise in the storage, it was sort of hard to really uh, find exactly what I was doing. For example, if someone was an electrical engineer or mechanical engineer or a test engineer, or a software engineer, they had no trouble, you know, going to another company and work. So I was very kind of like a, <laughs> it was like I was like a specialized person and uh, my expertise was really applicable to that industry. I decided that I really want to go to a change and I had a plan to essentially achieve that, you know. Okay, so let's talk about the plan. You sure. signed up for a number of online courses. Yeah, that's correct. What made you know which courses to take? Were you basically looking at job listings and then figuring out what you needed to learn to qualify for those job listings? Well, I uh, have some friends that, you know, working in data science before and also Googling and finding out about job description and what their requirements are. So you get to know and there are, there are many sites that they actually deal with. They try to help you to get into data science. And so I was able to access those uh, websites and, and register and start taking courses. I actually, during the period of a year and a half, I took 35 courses, which was... <laughs> 35? Kind of like that sounds yeah. a little obsessive to me. I don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I was... But this is, was this in- is kind of like... <laughs> You're a PhD in physics. Not many yeah. people get to that level, so you don't yeah. mind. You don't. You don't mind the challenge and the tests and the studying. Yeah, I actually was almost like a student, full time student. Every day, I get up in the morning. I, you know, start listening to the video. I do homeworks, and you know, go next day. And How did you stay motivated? How did you stay motivated? I was really enjoying the, you know, the, the subjects, and I it would really connect with me. And I, you know, the more I learn, the more I get excited and. I want to learn more. And, and in fact, uh, pretty much got A in all classes to the point that they invited me to become a mentor. Hmm. It was really helpful because, you know, when you go for an interview or um, you want to update your resume with what you have been in since your last job, you need to have really t- tell a good story about what you have been doing. When I became a mentor at the Stanford uh, online you know, machine learning course, it was kind of an honor, you know, because not many people achieved that level because I had to take a training and I also had to take a training about becoming a mentor. And I passed all of that and I officially became a mentor. So students were actually put, posing questions and I had to answer them. Hmm. So it was really a good story to tell. And I was just putting that in my resume, you know. That's great. And, and I think that's one of the things that when you uh, want to get a new, new career or new trans- transition to a new field, you have to have a good story and you have to come up with a, some good profile of yourself to be able to convince people that you're really passionate about this field. And this is proof of it. So tell us about some of the places where you took courses. You mentioned Stanford Online. And how much did these courses cost? The courses are actually not too bad. I think typically like you take like a five weeks or six weeks course. Maybe you're at $500. I remember I signed up first. My first course was $500 online. And later on, they, they changed some of the policy that you could just uh, pay uh, for every course, like pay 45 or $45, $40 a week. Like a for, subscription? Uh, yeah. And then if you mm-hmm. want to discontinue, you can. You don't have to pay. So uh, I think nowadays it's getting better. 
It depends on, you know, what the, the online courses are and but usually they're not really that expensive. But the thing is, you know, besides online courses, there are tremendous amount of information, uh, free information about uh, machine learning data science uh, that's available on, you know, on YouTube. There are many universities, for example, MIT has lectures. At what point did you start to really put yourself out there and start applying for jobs? Like when did you feel confident? And yeah. I understand that you hired some LinkedIn yeah. experts yeah. to cool. help to revise your LinkedIn. So I want to want to also understand that process. But let's talk a little bit about like at what point did you start to feel like, uh, you know, like you were ready to become a candidate for these kinds of jobs? One of the things that really helped me the most was to prepare a resume that is focusing on the data science aspect of the, my, uh, my, my career. Because people, when they look at resume, they're not interested to know about your last many years of experience in a, in a storage, but they want to know what did you do in data science that was relevant to what you're actually looking for. So I made a resume and I tried to give an example of the projects or analysis I did during my career that was related to the data science. And that was really helpful. And the other thing is that I made a, I made a one-page resume only. Uh, they didn't try to uh, make it very complicated. So very, very much to the point and very much to the keywords that I used was very relevant to the type of job that I was applying. That must have been hard, right? Because this is like 40 years of work experience condensed yeah. to a page. What, what did you ulti- how did you ultimately decide what stayed and what you had to admit? You don't have to admit anything. It's just usually when you try to look at your experience, you would say, okay, from you know, year 2010, 2015, you work in this company as an engineer or data scientist, whatever. And then in, in terms of the uh, description and, and the bullets, you know, in terms of in saying what you did, you, I, I was trying to focus on the, uh, the kind of analysis and responsibilities that were related to data science. Uh, I essentially ignored anything else that I did because obviously, you know, when you apply for data science, they don't really, not really interested to know what, right. <laughs> what you've done, but they want to know what you know about data science. And That's I think I, I try to make that very clear in, the, in my resume. That's awesome. So then LinkedIn, that's really where most job queries stem from. I mean, so that was a smart that you invested in that. So tell us about how you found someone, what did it cost, and what did they ultimately do to make your your page more searchable? Well, I think that LinkedIn was uh, very helpful. They they have a, a service called Premium Service, which they allow you to search for jobs, and also they help you, you know, maybe get some information about how you actually prepare the resume, how to, you know, use the right keyword. And anytime they find any jobs that matches your uh, credentials, they try to tell you what that is, and they tell you actually. Where are you standing relative to that job? Are you in the top 10%, top 25%, stuff like that? It's very helpful. And they try to actually create a list of all the keywords that is in your resume and it's in the job description to make sure what are the matches. So I find that to be very helpful when I was doing the you know, search initially. They also offered, uh, I think LinkedIn, uh, they still do, 
They also offer free courses called lynda.com, I think, L-Y-N-D-A.com. And you can actually take a lot of the data science course, you know, machine learning, computer science, you know, software and all that, you know, for free. And it was really helpful. Did you have an interview that totally bombed that just didn't go well? Take us behind I the think, scenes. Uh, what happened was there were a lot of jobs that I got, I got uh, called in uh, either through email or uh, they called me on my cell phone. And they want to talk to me, especially at the beginning of my, uh, you know, transition, because I, I had a very long resume and I didn't really make it short. And uh, I, I think one of those companies that called me was Apple, actually. <laughs> mm. uh, they wanted to talk to me. So I went through the screening process and they say, oh, yeah, you're a good candidate. And then what happened was next week when I was supposed to talk to the manager, um, the HR called me and they said, Oh, uh, the manager has looked at your resume, and I think you are a little bit too senior for that job. Hmm. <laughs> so then, what did you think the, that really meant? I think that maybe because I was putting three pages of a resume with all my experience, oh. publications, and uh, you know. So then I learned that if you really want to get a job, I really have to look at the job description, make sure that just focus on the things that day one and then don't really say much about other things you know and that's really what hurt me in that point but but that was not kind but of they taught you a lesson basically and that was when you started to I, uh, try to and since made my resume shorter and one page i think i got a lot of phone calls a lot of uh, people talked to me and and again you know i think in general data science in general i think a lot of companies that are hiring are mostly nowadays a startup companies you know mm-hmm. And those are very young and they look for mostly not a lot of people who have a lot of experience, you know, like, you know, college graduates. Because they don't have a lot of money to experience. So that's where the most of the hiring were at that time. Uh, You know, once in a while you find companies that they're looking for senior people, you know, very experienced people. So it took a while, you know, to to really... um, Were you getting nervous or it was part of you like... Wondering if this was all going to really pay off because yeah. part of it obviously well, is a process. You had to be patient. You had to get through the courses. You had to update yeah. your resume and that takes substantial time. It's not going to be three months. It could, it could take a year, but right. your search took a little bit longer than a year. And so was there any point where you were starting to doubt yourself and the, the prospects? Well, you know, it, it, in the back of your mind, definitely, you know, you become a little bit negative. But, but I always thought that since I really had the passion about this and I, I go, if I go for an interview and then people see me talking to me, I think uh, I, 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 should, I would definitely get the job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had that kind of feeling that, you know. Uh, but so yeah, much I mean, of it is just convincing people before you get – like 90% of it is just getting – all your online and yeah. resume yeah. profiles yeah. as best as possible. Because certainly, yeah, if they've called you in at this point, they're serious. They really want to now yeah. Yeah. meet you and hopefully you have a, a great chance of getting the job. 25% of people find the job through online. That's mm-hmm. sort of the, what the statistics is. And the 75% of people find jobs through connections. Yeah. And what I mean by connection is that jobs that are actually not advertised currently uh, so they, they they go and talk to their friends or their former boss and say oh yeah i have an opening and i trying to put that in the system but it's not there so they bring the person for an interview 
and then they find that he's a good candidate and then they talk to the, the you know the HR and all that and they put it a rack and so that's what I learned from LinkedIn you know they, they told us that you know you need to work on trying to establish good connection with the company that you're you're you like to, to work for so don't just send resume you know <laughs> try to spend some time network uh, with networking so that's uh, that was another thing that so how did I you tried. do that how would you I, do that I usually try to find on LinkedIn, for instance, some you know people who work for that particular company with a good interest, and I send them an email. And sometimes they find out if there are any overlap, if they know any of my friends. You know, <laughs> for example, at my previous job, I know there were some uh, engineers that they were data scientists, so I start talking to them first, mm. and through them, uh, they refer, they ask me to contact certain people. So anyway, it's kind of a difficult process, but I think uh, you, you you just have to do it and you don't have to give up. And a lot of companies actually, what they like to see is that they like their employees to refer friends for a job. So uh, so that was another thing that it was very helpful for me that I sent my resume to one of my friends and he forwarded my resume to their online system as opposed for me to apply. Mm. And so what that really says that that person knows me and, you know, it's kind of like my connection, uh, either personally or maybe previous job. So that's another uh, avenue that I found that was very helpful. So you worked all angles. You got the coursework done. You got the LinkedIn page updated. You got your resume to one page. You started to network. You became a mentor at Stanford Online Education. Um, You had some okay interviews that didn't go anywhere, but you learned a lot and you applied that to the next interview. Um, Apple rejected you, but then you took that as a a learning lesson to chop down your resume. You know, someone might just hear your story and go, oh, his friend put his resume in it this company and he got the job, but you had to do all of that other work in order to even arrive at that situation where your friend could recommend you. Yeah, exactly. And even then Uh, you still had to earn the job. It wasn't like it was a guarantee. No, definitely not. You know, and I think, you know, most companies, especially bigger companies, you know, they, they have very lengthy interview process. Uh, Some companies that even do three phone interviews before even they uh, uh, give you a live interview. So it's a very lengthy process and very competitive, very, you know, a lot of competition. You obviously know yourself pretty well. And you knew, for example, I mean, I'm hearing you say things like, I was confident that if I just got into the interview, I could, I could convince them to hire me. So you had a lot of confidence and you kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, you're an engineer, you're a science minded person. So you use strategy. Sure. was there something about yourself that you learned for the first time um, because of this this experience, which really like I feel like it has a lot of emotional ups and downs. You are on the other mm-hmm. side of this now, so you can talk about it kind of mm-hmm. confidently. But if I think if I had interviewed you like six months in, in the midst yeah. of all of this, it might have been a different yeah. mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious, what what would you say is the biggest kind of thing that you discovered about yourself? that you could be proud of too. It doesn't have yeah. to be a negative thing, but like, what did yeah. you learn about yourself? Well, I think the, the thing I learned through this process, uh, at least for uh, transitioning to a new job, was that you have to make sure that you get, you get yourself a good profile. 
while you are you are not working. Mm-hmm. It's very important. A lot of people who actually lose their job and they go for four months vacation, you know, you know, let's uh, you now update my resume six months later. And then what happens is they get a phone call and then they ask, people ask them, what do you have been doing? Uh, they don't have really a good story to tell. Why did you leave the company? What did you do? And, you know, and because if you have a good story to tell, then, then that's it. Essentially, that really tells them that you really had a plan. You really executed, you know. And, and I think it, it gives them an impression that you're a good candidate to, to work for the company. Did that come up actually in the interviews? Did you feel yes. like they, that directly came it up? Was the, yeah. It was uh, surprising. It was one of the first questions that everyone would ask. Yeah. What you have been doing since you, your last job. And I know a lot of my friends, they, they got a job that disappeared, you know, while I was, you know, at the same time with me. And as if today they haven't really done anything to, about it, you know. <laughs> they're just uh, sending the resume here and there, but they're not. They're not growing, they're not not updating, they're not networking a lot. And I think that the longer this process takes, it becomes even more difficult Mm -hmm. because uh, it's kind of like, you know, oh, you've been out for two years and you haven't done anything, you know. It sounds obvious to us hearing this, you know, obviously you don't want to let them think that you've just been, you know, watching TV all day or just been like sitting at your computer. You say that this was something that it was sort of a discovery for you. So was it early on in the process that you realized, I need a story? Did you have a bad interview and realized, I need a story? No, I mean, um, surprisingly or maybe lucky, <laughs> I was lucky enough. The moment I got my job, you know, disappeared, I actually had the plan in April 2000 to start taking courses. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I wanted to do this. And I, so I started doing that and I, through the process, I also learned more and but let me give some listeners some context. For me, growing up in our household, your industry, yeah. your industry in particular, was constantly consolidating. Sure. There were yeah. tons of M&As, mergers yes. and acquisitions. There was always this potential for a layoff. That's and correct. so maybe part of you was always ready for this because that's just kind of how you've been conditioned to think that your job is not guaranteed. You've watched, you've watched colleagues lose their jobs. You've gone to work not knowing if you'd have one, you know, in eight hours later. And so do you think that that's, that's been the silver lining to living, working in an industry that's so uncertain that you've arrived now at like, even though it was later on in your career at a very senior level, getting laid off and feeling relatively, um, not as freaked out, right? Because you always kind of knew this was potentially going to happen. And so maybe part of mm. you was always prepared for it. Yeah, I think I was definitely, um, prepared for it. At the same time, I wanted to, use this opportunity to uh, educate myself and learn more about things I had more, more passion about, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was difficult, you know, to do. It, it requires a lot of uh, hard work on my side. And I, I had to work every day, you know, <laughs> and don't give up. And, you know, but at the end, you know, I, I learned all the things I need to learn. And I, uh, I think my advice to people who are uh, in the same situation is to the moment you depart from your past job, you need to have a plan and make sure you create a, a profile yourself. So when you call for an interview or people talk to you about a new job, 
you can really with very very high confidence tell them what you're doing and this is you know shows your interest and your passion and you have to be very patient and you have mm-hmm. to be very positive about this whole process and but i'm sure you know uh, things will work out especially now i think you know as you know uh, the unemployment is uh, going, going down actually <laughs> there is a shortage of uh, even as we speak data scientists you know a lot of companies are just looking for data scientists right now that they have hard time finding so it's still mm-hmm. a good good feel for a lot of people who are really interested to if they have passion about it you know they like to do that i think it's a good opportunity a good career for for future specifically for people who are more i guess i more senior in their careers who Mm -hmm. are, you know, in their say fifties and plus, and they encounter a layoff. Is there specific advice for these people in this particular stage of their careers? Should they get comfortable with an accepting of a pay cut or a a role that is not a senior? Mm -hmm. Should they look really closely at potentially pivoting into something different yeah. Um, what's is there any different advice that you would give for your contemporaries? I think the when you have twenty years plus uh, experience and you're looking for uh, opportunity, the problem is a lot of companies don't want to hire senior people because they have to pay them more money. You know, mm-hmm. and again, a lot of other com- companies they don't have a lot of senior positions, mostly junior positions. So you have to understand that and you have to get yourself ready for downsizing, you know, in terms of the salary and, and opportunities. And the way to do that is you just have to reflect that into your into resume. Okay. And you have to essentially make your resume represent that you don't have, you know, so many experience. And even if you have experience, make, make sure you, do, you mention experience that are relevant to what you're trying to apply. Okay. And that, for me, it was something that I learned right away from my Apple job, you know, that I applied. I shrink my resume, you know, make it very, very, very to the point. And then after that, I, a lot of companies called me up, you know, they, they asked me for phone interview and all that. So a lot of times you get overqualified for what the kind of job that's available. Right. So you have to be aware of that and, uh, and you have to make sure that you're the kind of person that you're willing to help. Uh, you don't really mm-hmm. care much about having the same salary and the same position. So you throw have your ego out the window. <laughs> yeah. You were lucky and fortunate that you managed to get as far as, your, as far as your salary and your package, like a comparable income to what you were making, give or sure. take. But yeah. in your mind, so just going by what you said, if you had if you had arrived at a job, a great job, but it was a smaller salary, how are you and mom going to downsize your life? What was the plan B? What would have been the first thing to sort of go lifestyle-wise? Yeah, I think you need to cut in some of the major expenses, <laughs> having the house, you know, mortgage and taxes and all that. That's the biggest portion of your uh, monthly, you know, monthly expenses. Mm-hmm. So you need to think about if you find a job that is not paying a lot, you, you definitely need to think about maybe uh, renting a, a place as opposed to owning a place. Mm-hmm. Sell your property, you know, get your equity and you, you just uh, live for a small place. 
that you have to pay less rent. Uh, hopefully, you know, you work and maybe, who knows, maybe you can later on uh, get a better job, more salary, and then you can transition to that. And a lot of people ha- have to go through that process. And obviously, you know, you cannot just expect your lifestyle to be exactly the same. Maybe at the beginning it would be the same, but after two years, you know, three years, you know, you run out of your cash and your savings. So right at the beginning, you have to have a plan. You know, you have to mentally get yourself ready for that case that I don't find a job or find a job that's not pay, pay well. Uh, you need to come up with some compromises. You can cut down, you know, your expenses quite a bit just by living in a smaller place. Yes. They don't really need to have four bedroom, you know. A pool, a yard, yeah. and all right. of that so overhead. You can just, so you mentally have to be ready for that. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to work out. You know, and it's going to mm. be a very, very tough situation to deal with. So what's next? Uh, well, you know, I uh, like to uh, yeah continue working. And I think as long as I'm mentally, uh, how do you say, uh, active and I, I can think and have good memory. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind working and, you know, being in the environment that it's challenging. And, and I also uh, try to help others to learn and be a good uh, mentor for them. Uh, as you said, I'm probably lucky that I right now are doing that. But, lucky, uh, but you I create your own luck. You do. Yeah. You create yeah. your own luck. You have to work you. really hard to get yeah. really lucky. No, I agree with you. You have to know what you want, look for it. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned uh, and, from you. And, you then, yeah. and then, you know, that's, that's what's that's going to happen. You know, you, you will find it. Yeah. I remember um, we had a conversation back when I was like 23, 24. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was working at Money Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember telling you the story about sitting in the newsroom. And, you know, I, I loved my job, but I also wanted to get on television and be like, do just do more. One day they came into the newsroom, the the publicity team at Money Magazine, and they said, guys, we need someone to go on CNN at one o'clock and talk about our cover issue. Anybody want to go? Who's going to go? <laughs> you. And, and nobody <laughs> wanted to go. And I and I said, well, I'm going to raise my hand. They're probably not going to accept me because I'm like literally the intern. But yeah. they took me. They said, well, you're the only one who wants to go. So you here's the address. Here's cab money. Um yeah. Put on mm-hmm. some lipstick and you'll, you're live at 1.05 in the afternoon. So, sure. you know, that for me was some might consider luck, but it was knowing what I wanted, taking mm-hmm. a risk, putting myself out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then that was you who kind of like analyzed that for me. I was like, Dad, can you believe it? I got on CNN. And you're like, but you know what you want. And you're, and once you yeah, know what you it's want, very you're, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. lot easier to identify. Yeah. The luck in opportunities yeah. or just opportunities. Yeah, um, exactly. So you I mean, know, it's like it's like you know when when you look at a magazine or a paper, mm-hmm. if you don't know what you want, <laughs> you don't know where to start you just reading. Change the pages, and you don't see anything that interests you. But if you want, you know what you want, you, you'll be surprised. Oh, it's there, right there. You yep. know, luck by definition is for people who actually are aware of the situation and they also pay attention. And they know what they want. So they, it happens, you know. So for me, you know, I, I know what I have to do to change my career to a thing. I went through the process and, and it's not really luck. Uh, it's just my, you know, effort paid out. And, you know, it finally worked out. 
We're so happy it did. And I know that this episode is going to inspire so many people who have been uh-huh. asking for you to come on. So I'm giving the, I'm giving the people what they want. I'm giving them more Adam to Robbie. Dad, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Parnush, for uh, the interview. I uh, really enjoyed it. And, you know, if your audiences uh, have questions or need more information or advice or whatever, I'm always happy to oh, that's nice. help them out. Well, yeah, if you want to reach my dad, reach me and we'll make it happen. Um, yeah. And you know how to do that. Just go to somoneypodcast.com and you can click on Ask for Our News. You can follow me on Instagram. Dad's on LinkedIn, so you can always reach him out there as well. Thanks, Dad. Have a good night. Thank you very much, Farnoosh. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to my dad for joining us again on So Money. Isn't he so nice? Listen, if you do want to get in touch with him, you can find him on LinkedIn. But if you'd like to use me as your conduit, just get in touch. Go to somoneypodcast.com and leave a message for me at Ask Farnoosh or go on Instagram, reach me there, and uh, we'll hopefully make it happen for you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money.